welcome to the STR Data Lab. Hello and welcome to the STR Data Lab by AirDNA. I am Jamie Lane, the VP of Research here at AirDNA, and I'm here with our latest guest, uh, Leslie Sonnier, the founder and CEO of Rebel Vacation Rentals. Leslie, thank you for joining the STR Data Lab. Hey, y'all. What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> so we were recently at the Burma Spring Forum where we met, and broadly, I thought it was a pretty good event. I met lots of people, both new and old contacts. And broadly, what do you think of the event? I thought it was awesome because it was the top of the top of the top of the industry, in my opinion, of professional property managers. And uh, it's so interesting that even though this is a quote unquote newer industry to America, since Airbnb got into the space to revolutionize it with technology, it's still very interesting that, that we still operate in different ways and we can still share best practices and like, wait, you're doing what? That's amazing. Like I never thought about that and vice versa. And just when you think you're doing everything really well and you talk to someone else, you're like, wow, I really could improve on that one, you know? So it's always great to go to conferences, but this one was very special because it truly was the the top of the top, the best of the best. Yeah. Speaking of maybe revolutionizing, I, I was impressed doing some background research on Rebel and looking at <laughs> both your, <laughs> your accounts on Airbnb and Verbo. Uh, I see you started on Verbo in 2007 and your account on Airbnb in 2011. Yeah. So you were, I'm OG in the OTA space. Is, yeah. that, is that fair to say? So, uh, so that's probably maybe when I, when I, when I got on to, to the space, but I actually made my first listing, my first listing. And um, in 2014, um, actually 2013, started traveling in 2014. The reason I started this, honestly, I was going on a vacation for two months to Thailand I told my boss, I really hope that I have a job when I come back, but if I don't, I'll go work for your competitor. And I uh, was in the vacation space, so that's kind of always been my highest and best use in some way. And right before I left, I was, I was traveling with a friend out of Austin, and they said, I'm renting out my condo on this newer site called Airbnb. Have you heard of it? I'm like, I have this profile, but I have no idea what it's even about. And he's like, well, you should check it out. I just kicked out all my roommates, and um, it was January in Scottsdale, so my house happened to be the 20th listing in Scottsdale ever on Airbnb. And uh, to put things in perspective, there's now about 6,000 of them just in Scottsdale. So I just happened to get in on the ground up unknowingly. And it was kind of cool because I was making more money traveling in Thailand than I was working at home in my 200 grand a year job. So I'm like, huh, maybe there's something to this. And uh, <laughs> I mean, blah, 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 blah. The rest is history. Here we are. <laughs> 30 employees later, 50 housekeepers later, here we are. <laughs> well, truly, here we are, because that is exactly how AirDNA got started, too, with our founder, Scott, putting his apartment in Santa Monica up on oh, no Airbnb while he went to Thailand for six months. Oh, no, so, I had no idea. Can't wait to meet that guy. <laughs> yeah, I met him while we were there. Who knows? Right. <laughs> and I think that was in 2014. So well, that's uh, funny. Huh? What does he look like? Just kidding. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. Wait to make That's that <laughs> So maybe tell us a little bit about Rebel now and what it looks like, how many properties you guys have, what, what type of market you're in, and the details on the business. Sure, sure, sure. I am very, very incredibly proud of my team. We're now to 33 team members that are full-time, several independent contractors and vendors, because so that's the nature of our business. 
and we have about 50 housekeepers that that work pretty much exclusively for our company. And uh, we really, really have a solid team, like absolutely have an incredibly solid team and uh, very, very blessed. Uh, we started out in the greater Phoenix area, specifically Scottsdale, in the past year and a half moved to the East Valley. Uh, we exited the West Valley because the numbers just looked a little bit better from uh, when Bell Bank Park came to being, we, we entered that market. We entered the, um, the Sedona Flagstaff market, kind of as a shiny penny, to be honest with you, because I really love Sedona and Flagstaff, but the numbers truly panned out from a return on investment standpoint. And that's really been kind of the basis of how I started. We can talk about that in a little bit. But um, yeah, Sedona and Flagstaff, the returns are incredible. And so about a third of our portfolio of 135 homes is in northern Arizona and then the rest in the greater Phoenix area. And uh, mostly single family homes has been our niche. We stopped taking on HOAs and condos um, about two years ago. It's about the same amount of time, energy, and effort to manage a five-bedroom house and an eight-bedroom mansion as it is a two-bedroom condo. You still have to clean it. You still have to do the turns and do the management and the guests. So uh, we really focused on the more luxury or higher-end homes, higher-bedroom homes. So when you talk about return on investment, and is it specifically that of the time and effort that go into managing the properties? Are you guys investing in any properties on your own? Or I mean, what does the portfolio look like in terms of actual investment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, want to take, can I take a step, step back and give like a kind of a cool story? I yeah. think it's kind of a funny story. Um, I so, love funny stories. So, <laughs> what I think is funny. Um, so um, back, so again, when came back from Thailand, I I left the listing on. It was honestly just like a Leslie moment because like I'm pretty good at a lot of things, but like remembering and being organized is not one of them to be super clear. And I left the listing on, and I I got this inquiry for a booking. It was not on Instant Book, thank goodness. And they're like, well, we want to come stay this week, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm working. I it's not available. They said, could we make an offer? And I'm like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and they said, what do we pay $700 a night? I'm like, see ya. I'm going to visit my friends in New York City, right? So um, I became a professional nomad is honestly how um, what I ended up doing and continued to rent out my house when people would pay enough. And what's interesting is that now they actually have a term for it in the industry called last man standing. So if you're the last group of awesome homes that are available, you can actually increase your price because if they want to come, they got to pay for it. They want to stay in a house. They don't have a choice. So I was pushing pricing and last man standing way, way, way before that term even existed. Because honestly, I just wanted to travel with my friends in expensive places. So that was my original reason. After a couple months, um, my my dad and mom, they're pretty dang smart. My dad does private wealth management. And he said, let's spreadsheet this. And so I, uh, so we Sat down one weekend. I'm like, oh my gosh, dad, we have to go through business school again, finance. I didn't, I chose a career not in finance for a reason, but okay, let's do it because it's kind of interesting and cool. And we made our first pro forma and uh, we actually still use this pro forma to this day, which is pretty darn cool. And it's become more detailed and more sophisticated. But in the beginning, it was, it was my mom was investing in properties and we did some silly tests. Like we would take one property my favorite one, we took one property and they're all in the same neighborhood, okay? Both four bedroom, two bath houses with a pool. And we gutted the inside of one of them, spent $50,000, okay? And the other one, we kept the Formica countertops and and spent 25 grand in the backyard, okay? Which one had a better return? I'm going to guess the second one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the second one. Which when you think about it from a traveler's perspective, 
right? Uh-huh. Duh. People want to come to Arizona nine months out of the year, not three months out of the year, nine months out of the year because they want an awesome backyard. So keep in the beginning, it's not that way anymore because the market's a little bit more saturated. But in the beginning, it's like keep the four mica counter, countertops, spend money in your backyard because people want to spend time in the backyard. They don't care about what the countertops look like, right? And so my my silly but cool story is truly how we started the business is, is a gigantic thank you to my awesome parents who were just pro Leslie and also like, hey, let's spreadsheet. Let's see what there's a business model out of this. And so a lot of the data, a lot of the data that we still use today are based on just some of those silly tests that we did way back in the day. Are there any tests that you guys are doing now that are that are interesting on terms of what what provides the best return and and what's sort of working in your market, given that it is? And there's a whole lot more saturation today than there was maybe back then. For sure. Definitely there is. So the newest fun was, I almost don't want to say this because then everybody's going to do what I did, but it would be here. No one's listening. We're in the community of sharing, right? (laughs) (laughs) In the space of the community of sharing. One thing that that we did about a year and a half ago with one house, and it was coming from, I have have bonus kids that are grown and uh, they're awesome, but they like teach me how to work my phone and stuff like that. My five-year-old's about to surpass me in my technology level of expertise, but uh, they were showing me Instagram and like some really cool places and houses and whatever. And, um, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. And I had this like, oh my gosh, it's all these, what we call feature walls. Okay. So if you watch the YouTube version behind me, I would call a feature wall, which is a, a really cool wallpaper. That's something that I would not want to live with this wallpaper, but heck, if I could see it for three days in a vacation, that's cool. And I kept on seeing these, these murals, like these really cool murals. I'm from Austin. So Austin has done an amazing job of putting these amazing spray paint artists. So I'm like, why don't we take that and bring them into our backyards? We have 135 backyards that we can make really cool. And the coolest thing is that has been the best return on investment by far is getting these murals that are $900 to $1,800, right? At uh, Some of the big, big ones are $2,500, but still they pay for themselves in like two months of bookings. Like we have a property that was getting no bookings and we're like, why is it? It's really cute inside. We just did this really cool feature wall in the backyard. And all of a sudden it's one of the top four bedrooms in Scottsdale and Airbnb, just because of the feature wall, because we're in the Instagram world. So it's like, we do these tests, right? But then you go back to logic and you think about here's our world and everyone wants to take the cutest little pictures. And oh my God, I want all my friends to see how cool I am that I'm Scottsdale and this look at me, look at me world. So I'm like, okay, well, let's just play to that and let's make a bunch of bunches and bunches of those, you know, and it's worked. That's awesome. I love that. And is that something with your, the homeowners you work with that you can just like tell them we're doing it and they're, they're happy? It's still a sales pitch. It's still a sales pitch, right? <laughs> um, but now we have the data to back it up. You know, it's kind of like put your money where your mouth is. And because you have to do things differently when a market becomes more saturated. To me, that's like cracking the code. That's like a challenge, right? So when the market becomes more saturated, it's like, what else can we do? What can we do that nobody else is doing, right? How can we do what somebody else is doing? We're just going to do it better, right? Like that's, to me, one of the, the secret sauce of Rebel is we're like, how can we do something? How can we do something in a Rebel way? Like we even spell it wrong. We spell it R-E-B-L. Well, <laughs> so, I was going to ask where that name came from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there, there you go. Also, it had to get trademarked and R-E-B-E-L couldn't get trademarked. So, you know, both. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Speaking of oversaturation, I, maybe a lot of the sort of headlines, maybe over the past 
couple months in the Phoenix sort of Scottsdale area was around the Super Bowl and maybe a little bit of a, a bust of a Super Bowl for a lot of host homeowners that thought they're just going to be able to bring their unit on, charge $2,000 a night and get booked for the entire four day weekend and just crush it. And that that didn't happen. What did you guys see? So, yes, I will say um, that that is the most stressful two and a half weeks I have ever had in business uh, was <laughs> Super Bowl because we had a lot of expectations. Our homeowners had a lot of expectations, like who in their right mind would have thought that the two biggest sporting events that happen every year, Super Bowl and the Phoenix Open, would be a complete bust? No one. And so much so that it got national attention. So the New York Times wrote about it, which is kind of cool. So it wasn't just Leslie saying to my homeowners, like, really, we're trying our best, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and there's a couple of theories and there's a couple of facts, okay? So the fact is that at on Sunday of Super Bowl, the short-term rental market in the greater Phoenix area only got to 53% occupancy. That's crazy, okay? We are expecting a 90% occupancy because we're or above because historically, Phoenix Open, we're a 95% occupancy as an entire company in the greater Phoenix area, nine to 10 years in a row, okay? So on Sunday, when everything was in, and we, as well as all of my big competitors, we kept our prices high, right? And the day that it hit, we were, I mean, I personally was like, position, well, whatever, looking at all the stats and blah, blah, blah. And we got one booking. Second day, two bookings. We had 80 houses to rent out, 80 of them. So you can imagine when it's two weeks before Super Bowl and I have three houses, I go into panic mode. And I go into, we're going to look at all the data, anything that is from key data or air, like anything that is available from a data standpoint, farming my competitors, like what is everybody else doing, right? Talking to them, honestly, because we realized it was an entire market. And I mean, we were just, unfortunately, just we had to go to almost off-season prices. Like it was the best deal in February to come to Scottsdale that ever will exist, ever. Like we were at $500 a night for four-bedroom houses, which is insane. That's like our off-season prices, right? Um, but at one point, we kind of got to like something's better than nothing. Something's better than nothing. And so thank goodness our homeowners had a lot of grace and we're like, hey, Leslie, just get something, do the best you can. Uh, positive for us, we actually got to 90% occupancy. But it wasn't a revenue win. It was an occupancy win, right? Which, again, something was better than nothing. But for anybody out there listening to this who had a house that they had these great expectations and kind of banked on being able to go to Europe by renting out your house, I apologize and I hate it. And we're all in the same boat. And let's move on. And we'll, thank goodness, we're going to get another chance of this six, seven years from now because we're going to you know, be hosting Super Bowl and we can all, lessons learned, right? <laughs> lessons learned. What do you think the lesson is there that and oh, if you're you know, going to so, get booked? Yeah. So I guess lessons learned. That's a really good, that's a really good question. I think understanding the teams that are coming is kind of a lesson learned. And I'm not really a football guru. I used to be when I had season tickets, but now that I'm not, I kind of don't pay attention. And so if you think about it, okay, Kansas City, they've been three out of four years. So a lot of people who have been spent the 10 grand on tickets, right? They like to were like, ah, I've already been, we've already won once, whatever, right? And Philadelphia as a whole is a blue collar working town. So like, oh yeah, spending 10 grand on tickets and then flights last minute and then accommodations. I mean, accommodations turned out to be the smokiest deal, smoking steel. Um, but even with everything else, like it's just not real. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't spend that kind of money in something that was an incredible event of a lifetime personally. And it doesn't matter how much I make. Like, it's just, that's a lot of money, right? One thing I blame our stadium, which is very frustrating is, our stadium kept our ticket prices extremely high until three days ahead of time. 
So a lot of people that I was talking to, we were saying, I'll book when tickets go down, I'll book when tickets go down. Well, when they went down to normal Super Bowl pricing was four days in advance. And by then people were disenchanted. They're like, eh, I'm just going to skip it. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like a lot of things were, were working at the same time that I believe led to the 53% occupancy. But um, as some of those are just theories, by the way. That's not exactly fact. That's just theories from what I've heard from others. But they make sense, right? I mean, they kind of make sense. So lesson learned for next time is I'm going to price for Phoenix Open because uh, we still get a ton of money for Phoenix Open. And if homeowners say, no, I want to push pricing, then then I'll give them the option to doing so. But I'm going to strongly recommend we just price for Phoenix Open because that's worked consistently year after year after year. So yeah. that's the lesson learned for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe that sort of opens us up into a broader conversation about just what you've been seeing in your market, like out, outside of the Super Bowl and maybe over the past couple of years, went through COVID and how'd you guys do? How are you coming out of it now? What did you see in terms of homeowners coming in out of using you guys? And then just broadly on, on occupancies, ADRs, like what does it look like? Yep. So uh, fortunately, fortunately, COVID was very great for our business. Our governor, Doug Ducey, chose to keep our state fairly open compared to the states that are surrounding us. And that ended up being a, a massive blessing to our industry. Because I think once people got COVID, they're like, okay, well, I got it. So I'd rather be in a place where I have a little bit more freedom. And so people were flocking to Arizona. Honestly, they're flocking to Arizona. So 2000. 2021 in the summertime, I mean, we were having like peak season rates and occupancy. Like it was just insane. Like it's absolutely insane. So the positives that came out of it is for the people who were with me in 16, 17, 18, 19, got to see this. Woo, woohoo. And 2021, what happened in 22 is we went back to 2019 normal occupancy because the world opened up and California and Colorado and New Mexico opened up. Um, so we went back to what I would call normal off season. I, what I wasn't thinking about when that happened. So I'm like, oh, this is normal, right? I'm thinking it's normal because I've been doing this forever, right? But for my homeowners that joined in 2020 or 21 and saw this ridiculous summer, some of them, some of them were like, you guys are stinking up the place. <laughs> Uh, when really it was just, we were back to 2019 normal off season rates, right? So good news is, is that most people believed us and we showed them stats and graphs and key data to show like, Hey, we're still outperforming the market drastically. Right. But we're just not expecting those kinds of rates this year. Actually, we, we decided to price summertime about six months ahead of time instead of three months ahead of time. We are killing it on occupancy. The summer is pretty darn cool. Like we're beating the market like times 5,000 because I want to be the first booked, not last man standing during off season. So that's one of those lessons learned that like we have a pretty dang full calendar for the summertime, which is fantastic. Uh, so major props to my pricing team, kicking butt and taking names. That answers like a third of your questions. What was the other 15 questions you asked me? Yeah. <laughs> Jamie. <laughs> I love that you guys sort of saw the sort of and crazy seasonality like 2021 was like, and we were coining it the summer that never ended. And maybe for Phoenix, it was the spring that never ended. I just summer or spring pricing throughout the entire summer. It was just the reversion. It's like, oh, it's summer's coming down off or off season's coming down. It's like, man, it looks terrible. But, you know, in reality, it's just normalization. And normalization. Yep. Yeah, normalization. we've been talking a lot about that with clients and 
just so many new people came into the industry in 2020, 21. That's what I was going to note on. Yep. You're, you're totally, you're totally right. Jamie is that's the part that I didn't say. Well, so during that time when it was like anybody that had an investment or a partial investment or a property that they can, I mean, everybody was buying stuff here and in Florida, right? Like we were, it was so ridiculous. So what happened in those two years, and you probably have better stats than I do. Did the amount of homes, like double, triple, what what happened during that time? You'd actually have better stats than I would. Yeah, in 2020, 2021, inventory actually went down, which was so confounding to people and overall, because a lot of people- Compared to 2019? To 2019, yeah. Because a a lot of people had second homes, and that's why I was wondering about your inventory, that they all of a sudden wanted to start using. So you had the combination of demand coming back lower supply, which means everyone that's operating that market sees their occupancies sort of grow through the roof. Um, I can kind of see that in the beginning of 2020. I can kind of see that in the beginning of 2020 because people freaked out initially, like from when we had no bookings from March to May, a lot of our homeowners during that time, you're right, I'm kind of remembering like a this is like a trigger moment for me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to trigger you. <laughs> I will never forget March the 16th of 2020. <laughs> a million dollars in reservations lost in one year, in one day, not one year, one day. Uh, yeah, that was painful. So yeah, I remember, yeah, a lot of homeowners initially either went to long-term tenants or they decided to sell their properties initially, even though we're like, just stick it out, stick it out, stick it out, stick it out. You know what I mean? And those who did, they ended up doing extremely well. But my understanding was just com- this inventory compared from 2019 to 2023, because we have an influx of people coming in purchasing investment homes. My understanding from 2019 to 2023, the amount of inventory went up. Yeah, it's gone up substantially. And a lot of that is just in the past two years. Got so, it. Okay. That totally makes sense. Totally, totally. Yeah. 2021, 2022. That, now that actually makes sense. Got it. Yeah. 2020, decrease it of it. And we were like, yay, finally, some people are out of the market, right? Because we were kind of hitting <laughs> saturation points, I feel like, towards the beginning is what I recall, right? Like, oh, I'm seeing things aren't quite as good as it used to be, right? And that happened. It was 2021, 22, that like everybody and their mom purchased a, a house. Okay, so I'm not completely off my rocker here. No. Yeah. And, and and Phoenix has been one of the markets that has seen some of the biggest growth across the country in terms of supply for a large metro area. The larger started. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yep. Totally makes sense. Do you want to do you want to hear my theory for what's coming forward though? Absolutely. Ready for this? Yeah. So right before Doug, Doug Ducey went out of office, he made this fantastic regulation that was unexpected of like, let's give some power back to the cities. We're like, Doug Ducey, what the heck are you doing? You've been on our side. I've been speaking at the Senate hearing houses this whole this for nine flipping years. Like why did you do that? Right. Anyway, here nor there. Um, what has happened in our state is that cities have come back with regulations and permitting processes. And some of them have been not too terrible. Some of them have been poked me with the needle in the eyeball, uh, like Scottsdale. What I truly believe, though, is the day that Scottsdale comes and finds people for not being, not having their, not going through the permitting process correctly. I truly believe that that is going to have a lot of people either one selling their property because it's just too much. Okay. Or they're going to be reaching out to professional property managers like myself. Okay. Or some of you guys who are starting your business and have five properties and want to grow it to 10 or something like that under management. What I believe it's going to be 
very, very beneficial for the professional property management groups because it's a 25-step process, 25, to get your permit in Scottsdale. 25, okay? So when they send the fine and they say, here's your 25-step process in order to get a permit, okay? People are either going to put their house on the market, in my opinion, this is my opinion, okay? Or they're going to say, Leslie, help, Rebel, help, right? So I truly, it's going to help with saturation. It's truly going to help with the saturation rate. I think it's going to be one of those evening out years towards Q3, Q4 when this happens. And I think that's going to be a really great thing for us and Sedona, to be honest with you, because Sedona put together not quite as strict of permitting process, but they put together a permitting process also. So people just don't want to deal with it. Like it's it's a pain. It's, a, it's truly a pain. So for those who stick and stay, I truly believe Q3, Q4 is going to look really, really great for us um, as a market in the vacation rental market uh, for, for those who are willing to muster through the little bit saturated market right now. Yeah. And do you guys, do you see you guys as an expert in the permitting process? So you guys, Absolutely. you can. Yep. Like they were looking, the city of Scottsdale was actually asking us, um, my, the Alexa of my company, her name is Dora. She's fantastic. Uh, like she was asked, like they would ask Dora, like, okay, so like, how do we do, we said we're going to do this, but what's the best way to do this? And we're like, well, you should probably just take it out because it's stupid that you're doing that, but whatever. <laughs> so Dora is not me. That's why they called Dora, not me. Because <laughs> my answer is that's stupid. Her answer is, well, the way I think you should do it is. <laughs> um, and it's interesting. So out of the, call it 6,000 in round number Scottsdale homes, only 800 people did the permitting process right by the deadline. 800. 800 listings or 800 operators? Only 800 listings. Oh. Listings out of yeah. the 6,000 did the permitting process correctly and on time. And we were 70 or 80 of them, right? <laughs> I mean, we, yeah. we were the majority. We were 10% of it, right? Yeah. And so if that tells you anything about how strict that permitting process is, right? Again, at first we were like, oh, this is annoying. This is stupid, whatever. And some things were good things. Like they, one of them is you have to have a fire exit plan. You have to make sure you have enough fire detectors and, and CO2 detectors and things like those are things that vacation rules should have. And so if it's lighting a fire for people to have safety for their guests, I'm pro that, right? And um, I just wasn't pro that took my staff 10 hours per house. And we knew how to do it, right? To get that done from our, for our homeowners. What's interesting, a lot of property managers actually got there, made their homeowners do it. I didn't realize that until we went to this little meeting. But I'm like, oh, our, home I think our homeowners would be really appreciative because that was pain in the rear end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you let them know that. For, or I hope you did. <laughs> now I am. I'm going to send this, this podcast out to everybody. <laughs> by the way <laughs> right <laughs> so so looking forward I mean, you've got strong expectations about maybe how your business is going to grow in, in the areas you're in are, are you guys looking to expand markets at all or doubling down on the areas that you're in doubling down on the areas that we're in um, and just putting our roots even deeper into the markets that we know extremely well um, I think there's amazing opportunity in Cottonwood and Flagstaff and in Sedona and Northern Arizona and again, as the greater Phoenix market becomes less saturated, not the northern Arizona market too, I think there's opportunity for professional management. There's so many do-it-yourselfers out there. There's so many do-it-yourselfers out there. And I can only say this from, um, there's no sales pitch. It's just, it's fact. Like the professional property managers, they have a revenue management team like the Marriott does, right? Like they operate this like it should be as a vacation business as a hospitality business we have a full service concierge like that's the way that this industry needs to go because there's too many people and 
no offense to Canada, people in Canada who are like, I have this thing in Scottsdale oh. and I'm going to perfect, I'm going to manage it myself. You can't do that. You can't do that. Not when Scottsdale requires you to show up within an hour if you have a neighbor complaint, right? That that's that's poor management, in my opinion. Regulations don't make you do that, but the the industry is one for more professionalism. And what professional property managers do is they bring that professionals. We have a security team. His name is Hans. He looks like he sounds. He's a scary dude. You don't want him showing up at midnight if you're being loud and bothering the neighbors, right? Like <laughs> you want these people that you don't want Scottsdale. You don't want to be on the bad, bad side of the Scottsdale police. They have more things to do, right? Like, you know, breaking up parties in Old Town. Do you see that it could be potentially a range of services that you could provide too? Say if someone up in Canada wanted to maybe do their own revenue management, but wants you to do their housekeeping and security, could there be a range of services that you offer? Do you offer a range of services? Uh, we actually don't at this point in time. That's a good idea. I'm going to bring that to my executive team and um, and kind of think about, hey, what do we do really well? What do we do really different? Like, I think that the shiny penny that I like to call them shiny pennies. Leslie has a lot of shiny pennies. We'd have 15 businesses if it was up to me, you know? Thank goodness I have down to earth, like, Leslie, let's calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, But I might, as we're actually talking this through, it's like, man, what if we could, people could hire us to do the permitting process for them? Because we know how to do it. We know how to do it right. Like that could be a a space of like, hey, we're helping. And potentially after doing so, that could turn into a, a full service client. Like, because we're so, so full service, we haven't, we haven't as a business chosen to, well, we'll hey, just take the one thing that we're really good at or this thing that we're really good at. Like we're a package deal. So we've, we've chosen to, you get the package deal, you get all of us and our craziness that goes along with, with it or, or good luck, you know? Um, so um, that's the way we've chosen to do business. I'm not saying that that's a, a bad or a good thing. Again, the only one that's, that's, as we're discussing this, I'm like, no, we don't want to give our revenue managers away. That'd be silly. That's how we kick everyone's butt. We wouldn't want, right? Like, why, why would we do that, right? <laughs> but uh, the permitting process, that could be an interesting one. So hmm, I'll think about one. I'll get back to you, Mr. Danny. So wrapping up now, Leslie, uh, as we look out to the rest of the year, what are you seeing now in demand and booking activity? Um, yeah, that was very interesting at dinner. I'm not sure if this was on a previous podcast, but I'll just say the part that I heard and I remember, which I thought was pretty cool, um, is when you said that, yeah, when I met with the feds flippantly, because you're a badass, you know, when I was just sitting in front of the feds last week and uh, and they were asking me a question about data and stats. And when you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I heard was urban markets are up overall 25% and vacation markets are down 15%. Is that, did I get that right? Oh, yeah. Uh, we're definitely seeing uh, greater perform or weaker performance in vacation rental markets uh, and stronger FPAR and in urban markets, uh, really diverging performance. Gotcha. I, I just remember when you when you said that, um, when you look at our greater, because we, we have both, right? We have greater Phoenix, which is urban. We have uh, we have Sedona Flagstaff, which is more a vacation market. <laughs> vacation, I just made up a word. You like that? We're, we are definitely seeing a, and our pickup report. So for those of you who are not familiar with what that, that is, a pickup report is when you look at the future reservations that you have compared to the market. And when you look at our pickup report, our pickup report is doing better in our urban market than it is in our vacation market. Uh, so the reason why I'm not really sure, but um, I, it's just interesting that when you said that, I, I kind of thought about it and 
went back to my stats and I'm like, oh yeah, it's kind of happening with us. That's interesting. Right. And it's not to say, but overall, I remember you saying it's only a, a net negative 1%. I mean, it's not like it was year over year. Like it wasn't a, overall, it wasn't a gigantic difference of last year is what I heard also. At least I heard that part, right? <laughs> You're less your stats, you know? Yeah. Definitely don't look at me as a stats person. Pass my revenue team for that. <laughs> That's great how, yeah, we were discussing in Kansas City you really internalized it, then we're able to confirm it uh, with your team and in your own data. So what, what, but this is an interesting stat. I just, I just got off the phone with my pricing team literally right before this. And one of the things that we're seeing year over year is our rev bar also has gone up substantially. So last year, March to March, last year was 243 was our rev bar in the greater Phoenix area. This is, this year is 431. So that's a pretty substantial increase. <laughs> And we know it wasn't because of the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, this is March. So but this is the last time I'm talking about this, Jamie. I mean, I said I was not going to talk about it ever again, but because it's you and I respect the heck out of you, I was talking about it one more time, but that's it. <laughs> yeah. So so broadly, you're probably I'm seeing some pricing power still, and that hasn't slowed down. Also, assuming you're currently in peak season. Yeah, This. I mean, this is our peakest of peak season month. Um, second is February, just because of Phoenix Open. Uh, Phoenix Open will drive what February does, basically. But um, even even looking, when I looked at Q1 over Q1, we still were doing great, even though Super Bowl was a flop. So that's that's positive. But the thing that I'm most excited about is as the world seems to be a little bit iffy with um, some things happening with banks and blah, blah, blah. Um, the good news is, is that people are still booking vacations. Like we're doing 10 times better this year than we were last year. So I don't know if it's the American mentality of I deserve a vacation. Uh, I'm not really sure, but um, we're not complaining in any kind of way. But people are paying pretty high prices. Um, even coming in this fall, they're they're booking. So we're just very grateful and um, very, very grateful for what our, our year to come is looking like so far. Yeah. Well, on that note of optimism, I think that's a great spot to end the podcast. If our listeners want to find uh, you or Rebel Vacations, where should they go? Oh, gosh, you're going to put me on the spot. My, my marketing team's going to hate me. Just kidding. You ready? At, we're going to make it really simple. Ready? At Rebel, R-E-B-L, rentals, plural. And that's the same on TikTok, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and MySpace. So you can... <laughs> So you can find us on on uh, all social media platforms and look at our our amazing designs that uh, our designers have created and uh, incredible backyards that our, our backyard designers have created, our little mini resorts and and visit us. And here's a discount code that I'm going to give. Ready? I mean, it's specifically for you. Ready? So the discount code to get 10% off on our website, rebelrentals.com, okay, is going to be JAMIE, all caps. Jamie 10, J-A-I-M-E, right? <laughs> it's J-A-M-I-E. What? I'll <laughs> look at your email. The guy who's the podcast guy, his name plus number 10. All caps, all caps, Jamie 10. However you spell Jamie, Jamie 10. And uh, come stay with us. We'll give you, we'll give you a kickback for all the, all the reservations that you get for us, Jamie. We'll, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> Well, Leslie, it was truly a pleasure having you on, on the podcast. I, I've never lasted uh, so much. I hope all of our listeners enjoyed it as well. And we'll definitely have you back in the future. Yay. Sounds good. Bye, y'all. See you later. 